If you're there and you're confidently owning who you are, they're going to get on that train with you. Hi, I'm Cosmo Calloway. And I'm Eliana Stanford, and you're listening to Full Steam Ahead. Full Steam Ahead is a student-led podcast where we talk with thought leaders in the STEAM field to pick apart their origins in order to further understand the motivations behind their accomplishments and the hopes that they can provide fuel for the next generation of STEAM students. In today's episode, we're sitting down with aerospace engineer extraordinaire Harshini Sivakumar. Outside of Georgia Tech, where she's currently working on her bachelor's, Harshini is the 2020 Expansion Subcommittee Chair of the WOA Group, or Women of Aeronautics and Astronautics. And when she's not working the Aero Make Airspace, you can find Harshini public speaking surrounding topics of empowerment and advocating for gender equality and equity in STEAM fields. We're very lucky to have Harshini here with us today to discuss her journey to becoming the inspirational woman in STEM that she is. Welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Uh, Harshini, I think the first question we both have for you is, how is your quarantine? quarantine been it's been a little bit uh crazy i definitely i've been holed up at my parents house for march until school started which i that's the longest i think i've been back there since college so (laughs) getting used to living with the family again but overall not super crazy or stressful just kind of getting through work Uh, i had a virtual internship which was a whole new experience and not gonna lie I'm very okay with having like dinner cooked and available when I'm done with the day. That's a great benefit of being at home. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I, I think Eliana and I both might uh, experience that one as well. Um, yeah. And what about like hobbies? I mean, I know we have so much time now. Is there anything that you've taken up as a hobby? Yeah. So I actually started uh, kind of getting into like the crafting world. Uh, and, you know, I've started to do these little like sewing kits. So Michaels and stuff sells these like, marvel and star wars little like people that you can make they're like this big and they're they're like just little things that you can embroider which is pretty cute like i don't have very much artistic talent but i like crafts so this is like a good low level craft for me you brought up a little bit about like star wars and marvel and i know like my friends and i are pretty into that kind of stuff and like a lot of people we've interviewed on the podcast have talked about like how they've gotten their start and how they've um, watched like Star Trek and that inspired them that maybe they can also pursue a career in science. So do you have any of those examples or early memories of you being like, that's what I want to do? Yeah, uh, I feel like when I was a really little kid, it kind of started with me watching the space shuttle launches way back when that was still a thing. Uh, My mom always tells a story about how I used to kind of sit under the kitchen table pretend that I was in a rocket and we were about to take off like so since I was a small child this is definitely something that I really really loved and so I knew that you know especially through things like Legos and all that other stuff that kids get to play with uh, that engineering and kind of that hands-on steam field was something that I was really interested in and rockets airplanes all that stuff has been fascinating to me since I was a kid I still get like really excited to fly and I feel like no one's excited (laughs) to fly anymore. Yeah, especially with those $25 flights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, did you have any, like, mentors when you were growing up? I know both your parents were um, were engineers. Did that kind of affect your, your perspective of STEAM or STEM? Yeah, I, I think both of my parents have been early mentors of mine and, and still continue to be mentors. Uh, they were always very clear on the fact that I could do whatever I wanted to do. And 
that really even started from not restricting me in terms of like what I did as a child. Uh, I feel like a lot of times children are put into boxes either based on gender or something like that when it comes to even like what toys you can play with. But along with the Barbies that I had, I had little wrenches and screws and nuts and bolts to play with. So my parents were always very clear on the fact that like I could build and I could do what I wanted to do. And I've kind of taken that forward into a much more hands-on field, I think because of the education that they've given me. I can totally relate to that. I just built a Apollo 11 Lunar Lander myself during quarantine, and I've always been a Lego person. But I know that that experience is not shared by every single woman um, who wants to get into the science field, and I think we're very lucky in that respect. But is there any kind of adversity that you face maybe on a day-to-day -day basis or like an event that sticks out to you in the past about like a challenge to getting into the STEAM field and kind of breaking that glass ceiling, so to speak? Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest that stands out to me is in college, I joined an aircraft design team called Design Build Fly. So our goal was every year we have a set of competition rules and we build a remote controlled aircraft that can perform whatever task they ask us to do and we compete against a bunch of other schools in the country. So it's a really awesome program, really helped me develop my technical skills. But on the, you know, once I really started to get into it, especially starting in more of a leadership position, I started to experience a lot more of the microaggressions and just the day-to-day, -day, I'd say, casual sexism. And the one that sticks out to me the most is after I had gotten my internship offer last fall, I was obviously very excited, so I wanted to tell all of my friends that were there, and somebody responded with, oh, that's because you're a diversity hire. And in that moment, I was, I was shell-shocked. I people that know me know that I have, I talk a lot, but in that moment, I did not say a word. I was so like, not defeated, but just confused as to why that was somebody's response. And, you know, it's that moment kind of made me realize that I, there were so many little things that were happening to me that I was just choosing to ignore. And so once I started to stop, you know, ignoring them and start talking with other women who had experienced this, I realized that it was not just me and it was not just, you know, one person, it was a pervasive culture within that group. So actually me and three other women we started working with our department's administration to break down that toxic culture and, you know, talk to that group about the importance of allyship and the importance of, you know, not being a part of a toxic environment. And so I think we're making really positive strides to the future, but that there are definitely, I don't think I've experienced anything horrifically negative, but those little moments I'd say certainly add up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that perfectly transitions to a question I wanted to ask you, which is, um, how have you been able to, uh, I guess, expand and promote growth between the chapters of WOA? Yeah, so right now, actually, we are in a really unique position because everybody's doing all of their events online. And so we can basically promote different chapters events to all of the other chapters so they can all attend and gain from a speaker or a panel or things like that. And we're also working on putting together inter-chapter events. So our first idea is an inter-chapter resume review. So people can sign up and they get matched with somebody from a different chapter, an older student, uh, you know, maybe a third or fourth year if you're a freshman or a grad student if you're an older undergraduate student. And you guys can take some time, sit down and work through each other's resumes. And so you really get an interesting new perspective because everybody has their own career center, their own resources that they go to for resume help. But 
if you're at a school that maybe is lacking in career resources, you can gain that perspective from somebody else who has a lot of information on the subject. Wow. So I think, I mean, I, from the sounds of it, you have a lot of opportunities at Georgia Tech to like get involved with the community and uh, especially through WOA, through your aircraft design competitions and everything. So if you wouldn't mind to take us back to like when you're making the selection to go to all these um, really STEAM oriented universities, um, we know that you initially pa uh, planned for Midwest College. Um, but after you made that decision to kind of travel in a different direction than your family and like choose Georgia Tech, what was that decision like for you? Yeah, so I had applied to seven colleges uh, when I had kind of started off my process and I got into six of them. But when it really came down to it, uh, University of Michigan and Georgia Tech were kind of at my top because of the aerospace engineering program that they had had. I had heard really great reviews from both groups. So I had never actually been to Atlanta until after I got accepted to Georgia Tech. So I decided to take a visit down here. My family came down here and it was raining horrifically on the day that I came to visit. I was under the weather the day that I came to visit and yet I still absolutely fell in love with the place. The first meeting that I had was with one of the chairs of the department who kind of sat down with all of these prospective admitted students and basically walked us through the different opportunities that you can get here. So not only these opportunities within the school, like design teams, but also the relationships that Georgia Tech Aerospace has made with companies and research labs and all of those other amazing groups across the country. And they come to Georgia Tech every year looking for students like us. And so that really stood out to me because they put so much time and effort into curating the best for their students. And that's an environment that I really wanted to be a part of. Hmm. Yeah. And those, those like design build fly competitions also sound like a total blast just to be able to like work with a team and fully control, like, you know, the things that you're going to put out. Um, and I guess kind of tying it to the, the a aspect in steam, were there any like really memorable design, um, like choices that you made during those competitions that stuck out to you? Yeah, so last year's competition, which unfortunately we didn't get to actually fly the aircraft due to COVID, but we did go through, I think, most of the process. We actually had to tow a banner. And so we had a 10 foot by two foot banner that had to hang off of our plane. And so we had to like really learn a lot about like material choices and sewing, which like I don't know anything about. So I still don't know too much, but we sat down with like you know, and went and did some research on like what material has the, you know, least drag resistance, what's going to be the best for us to like fold up and unfold in flight. And how are we going to sew this thing to make it stiff. So I ended up, you know, sitting down at a sewing machine for a few hours and just trying to trying different stitches and things like that to see what would make our banner the most stiff. And it's like, you would never think about these kinds of things in an aerospace environment, you're never going to be like, wow, I spent three hours sewing a banner, but that's what we had to end up doing. And it was a really interesting, like, kind of discussion and choice just because everybody was super inexperienced in that area. Yeah, this sounds like kind of a really artsy turn, which is something we really love, because as kind of a younger generation entering the STEAM field, it used to be primarily STEM, and I, we absolutely adore the fact that they're incorporating art into it because it's such a major component of all of the different aspects. Like there wouldn't be engineering without design. So I think going into our next question, 
like how have you been able to incorporate some of these more artistic sides of your interests um, as an aerospace engineer at school or Boeing or in your design team? Yeah, I, I think the main place that I'd say I incorporate art is at my job at the Makerspace. And a lot of my job is just helping people understand how to manufacture uh, different parts via either 3D printing or laser cutting or things like that. And it's not 100% about like structurability or anything like that. It, it is also, does it look nice? How is this going to fit together? How is this going to work? And so we get to have some really interesting conversations with users, not only about like how much load is your part going to need to take, but what kind of surface finish do you want? What kind of, you know, how, how is this going to look? How is it going to interplay with other parts? And so we really are teaching people how not only to design for those basic requirements, but to design for an overall good aesthetic, so to speak. You know, it's not entirely about just the, you know, I need to be able to hold XYZ in my part. But the beauty of 3D printing in my mind is that you can continue to rapid prototype, which means that you can really focus on the aesthetic as well. When it came to things like metalworking or woodworking, you really don't have that many options. But even now with 3D printing, you have even just the basic option of color. Like what color would you like your part to be? Which is really awesome because we can now not only focus on manufacturability, but the design and the aesthetic. I mean, for sure. I think you can have a product and it works amazing, but if it's not aesthetically pleasing, then no one's going to want to purchase it. And personally, from my experience at like robotics competitions, for example, the most aesthetically pleasing robots, even if they didn't function that well, were so impressive. And the most well-organized, um, beautiful, like extravagant pits that people had with lighting and mini fridges and everything, that just made your team look so much more legit and intimidating, which is a humongous factor um, when establishing yourself at these robotics competitions. It's kind of a nerd thing. It's kind of like <laughs> sports with nerds, but I'm a nerd and I love it. So it's great. I, I really do think your ventures in in like public speaking too are 100% um, kind of capture that, that idea of uh, – of art and rhetoric you know i think it's a crucial skill to be able to adequately articulate um, and express your ideas and your thoughts and personally i'm super interested in, in poli sci and a little bit of comp sci too and i feel like you know, poli sci is kind of something where you really need to succinctly be able to um, communicate with the audience um, so i was just wondering you know with your own public speaking events um, are there any like tips or tricks or advice you can give with them yeah so I, I've always loved performing since I was a little kid. So, you know, I used to do dance and piano and things like that starting from a child. So I always knew that I loved to be on stage and perform really well. And so the one thing that I would say is to absolutely bring your authentic self every time you get up in front of a group of people because they will know if you're not being you. And this applies to not only public speaking, but even things like interviews. Like if you're there and you're confidently owning who you are, they're going to get on that train with you because you're being you and that that's the best that you can do. And if you're trying to, you know, be like a, like who you think the audience wants you to be, I think they definitely see through that and they connect with you less. And so my goal is to really always foster a very authentic connection with the audience when I'm speaking. And that comes from, you know, not only talking about the things that I've succeeded in, but the things that I have miserably failed in in my life because we've all been there no one's perfect and so like really just laying it out there of 
here's what I've done well, here's what I've not done well, like, this is me, I think that really resonates with a lot of people. Exactly, and I think your message about authenticity makes you a role model for a lot of different people, and the fact that you're doing that kind of public speaking and making those failures so apparent is great, because as high schoolers, Cosmo and I can attest that there's a lot of pressure to be quote-unquote perfect and successful, which is completely unrealistic and actually um, is kind of failing that having that mindset is kind of like a failure because you're not going to be successful you're just going to be sad you're just going to feel like you're a disappointment when you're really not you're just a human being and i think like you being a representative is something that's really important so that leads me to ask what role do you think representation plays in steam i think it is one of the most important things that we can do especially as you know, people that are starting to enter college, enter the workforce for younger students. I, I remember seeing uh, the astronaut Kalpana Chabla when I was a kid and being like, hey, she looks like me. That's really awesome. And I think everyone deserves to have that connection, not just people that are in the majority. And so when I look, you know, even when I'm uh, trying to figure out like what organizations I want to be a part of, what jobs I want to work on, things like that, looking at who's being represented and, and who's really speaking their truth and things like that are really important to me. And that was one of the things that drew me to WOA in the first place was just how diverse of a group was working on this one common goal. And the idea that, you know, equity and inclusion doesn't have to be just one group of people. It really does take a partnership between the majority and the minority to give everybody that representation that they deserve. Mm. And all right, Harshini, you totally have the floor. Um, is there anything that the audience can look forward to that's coming from you in the next couple months or weeks? Uh, hmm, that, that is a good question. Uh, I am, I'm working on a panel. So I will be on a panel this weekend, actually. Uh, and I think the main thing that I would love people to check out is a uh, talk I gave pretty recently called uh, Beating Burnout as a Woman in STEM. And it is on my LinkedIn. I have it like featured there because I, 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 I think it went really well. But it's a talk that I gave at a hackathon uh, a couple months ago. And I think it really covers my journey starting from the beginning of college to where I am now, dealing with imposter syndrome, dealing with going crazy and being really burnt out. And, you know, how now I am, you know, much more capable of growing myself sustainably because I don't think we talk about that enough. I feel like we talk about like the millennial grind attitude and how you have to keep pushing every single day. But instead, I think more people should be talking about pushing yourself sustainably because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Exactly. That is so true. I'm definitely going to be checking that out for personal reference. Um, just as we kind of wrap up everything, do you have any pieces of advice to our audience? We have a lot of younger listeners who are probably looking up to you, um, maybe trying to emulate your path and your attitude. So do you have any kind of words of wisdom for us? Yeah, I'd say the main thing, uh, the main advice that I would share is don't let anybody put you in a box. Everyone deserves to be their authentic self, whatever path they choose to take. And I know me as well as a lot of other women in STEM have gotten some, not 
bad but ill-timed advice regarding who they needed to be to fit in whether that be you need to be one of the boys to fit in in the stem field or you need to you know do this or do that and please don't ever let anybody tell you what you should be all you have to be is you and that is totally enough oh my gosh that was amazing well thank you so much for being here today and telling and sharing your story and being so open and vulnerable with us i know as a woman interested in STEM myself. I can really relate to your experience and really look up to you. I'm inspired by your insights and experiences, honestly. I can say with zero doubt in my mind, this has been one of my favorite episodes that we've done. I think maybe in part because um, you're the closest guest we've had in in terms of age to us. Um, So at points, it was almost like therapeutic listening to some of the things you said about just, you know, controlling burnout and being able to sustainably go about pursuing your goals. Um, And so uh this is a long-winded way of me saying thank you so much for for coming on today it's been a blast Uh, we can't wait to see what you do in the future and with that being said thank you for listening to full steam ahead and we will see you next time be sure to follow the full steam ahead podcast on instagram for the latest info on upcoming guests as well as q a opportunities where we take questions directly from our followers and pose them to our guests at full steam ahead podcast on instagram